Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And this past Wednesday, the Massachusetts legislature passed a really important bill that has not gotten as much publicity or notoriety as it deserves. And we are so pleased to have with us today Natalie Blay, who is the state representative from the 1st Franklin District, who played a really important part in passage of this bill that we want you to know about. Rep, thanks so much for being with us. What the legislature do, why does it matter? Yeah, I appreciate you flagging this first thing uh, in 2024. This is the first bill that we passed in a formal session uh, in the beginning of the new year. It was an act to prevent abuse and exploitation. And this really addressed three three things that we've been hearing from constituent constituents and legislators about. Um, it addresses adolescent sexting, which is when children share images of themselves or others digitally. It addresses non-consensual sharing of pornographic pictures or videos with others, which is commonly known as revenge porn. And it also addresses coercive control, uh, which is really something that I think we all know in as, as we're talking about domestic violence that you know, abuse is not always physical, it can be psychological. And under current law, an individual can only obtain an abuse protection order against a family or a household member if there's been physical harm, attempted physical harm, or threat of physical harm. So this adds, this legislation adds coercive control to the definition of abuse under Chapter 209A. Uh, what this means is that non-physical forms of abuse by family or household members, this includes financial abuse, technological abuse, uh, or emotional abuse, can now qualify for an abuse prevention order. This is a tremendous, tremendous victory for advocates who've been working alongside myself, uh, Representatives Trom Wynn and Representative Natalie Higgins, along with organizations like Nelquit out of Greenfield, Jane Doe Inc. and the Massachusetts Law Reform Institute to get this across the finish line. Nelquit, New England Learning Center for Women in Transition and the other women's advocacy groups that you mentioned. Let's unpack this a little more if we could, please, Representative Natalie Blake. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned Chapter 209A, which is really important to advocates, um, but I'm not sure it's a uh, something that flows off the tongue of most people. <laughs> what is 209A, and what does this new law have to do with expanding its reach and its protection? It's a great question, and I always appreciate your digging into what all of these terms actually mean. So someday we're going um, we're gonna, we're gonna to play name that acronym with you and we'll just. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, 209A in Massachusetts is the abuse prevention law that is in place that is designed to protect victims from abuse. It, um, it allows victims to ask a court for a court order to protect them from abuse. It's and a so civil proceeding. It's a civil proceeding when it starts. Correct. Okay. And someone and so, comes, someone comes to court and says, "I need a protective order because I am in a situation that requires assistance from uh, law enforcement or from the court to keep me or my children safe." Correct. And under current law, that 
that really required proof of physical harm, attempted physical harm or threat. And what we have seen um, in recent years, and again, I'm really grateful for my colleagues, Rep Higgins and Rep Wynn, who have really been pushing this alongside advocates to say, it's not always physical harm that's happening here. It's emotional abuse, it's financial abuse, uh, it's technological abuse, and we really need to update the law to reflect the sort of abuse that is happening in relationships in the Commonwealth. So the new law just passed by the legislature, by the way, has the governor signed it? Has the governor signed it yet? The Senate would still need to take this bill or a version of this bill up, and we would need to conference it before it could go to the governor for signature. Okay. Uh, do you expect the Senate to act favorably I'm on really that? Hopeful. I'm really hopeful that they'll do it quickly. I think that this is really important. Okay. So there are three new uh, sections of uh, 209A that address various forms of abuse and control that women and girls mostly um, are subject to. Um, one is, you mentioned the three, one is sexting, sexting, right? Um, teen, sexting, teen sexting, yes. Okay. And the other two are? Revenge pornography. Okay. So it's coercive, the parts of this bill were coercive control, teen sexting, and revenge pornography. Okay. Um, can you tell us what you mean by uh, coercive control? I take it it's defined in the law, but what does it mean in lay terms? Sure. So it, it includes um, efforts by abusers uh, to threaten, to intimidate, to harass, to isolate, control, um, or, or compel the compliance of a family or household member. So what we heard in testimony um, from from individuals across the Commonwealth was attempts by abusers to uh, take control of, of bank accounts, for example, um, to, to use children as, as a part of, of their attempts to isolate. Um, and so what we saw is that women, as you noted, usually uh, lose their sense of physical safety and, and autonomy as a result of this sort of coercive control. Okay. The second addition to Chapter 209A, the protective, uh, uh, the protective law uh, that allows a court order uh, in these situations, another piece of the new legislation passed by the House awaiting action by the Senate is teen sexting. What is that? <laughs> for, us, for, us, for us old people. I know this is no, this is technology is changing so much. And so our laws have to change to adopt, you know, to adapt to the challenges that we're seeing. And what we're seeing with teens um, is that when, because, so because of our strict child pornography laws, law enforcement really has very few options other than to charge a child with the dissemination of child pornography. Which is a very serious crime. And a very serious crime. And the kids who are involved in this and doing it have no idea that they have just walked into the world of serious felonies. Yes. So you know, minors who are sharing explicit images of themselves or their peers um, may be doing this without knowing that under current law, uh, they would be charged with dissemination of child pornography. 
And a child pornography charge leads to sex offender registration, which follows a child around for the rest of their lives. So in this bill, we create an educational diversion program to ensure that teens are educated on the consequences of sending or posting explicit images. And it diverts minors who share explicit images um, to educational diversion programs instead of charging them with child pornography offenses, which follows them for the rest of their lives. It also creates a new offense for minors who share explicit images. And the third part of the bill, revenge porn? Revenge porn, yes. So we've talked a lot in this legislative session about the importance of uh, individuals being able to make decisions about their own bodies uh, and the choices that individuals make regarding their own bodies um, in terms of between consenting adults is, is their own business. Um, but when consent turns to coercion or an attempt to harm another individual through non-consensual distribution, we're now talking about harassment that really rises um, to criminal level. And so this does add a new subsection to existing criminal harassment law and uh, now includes penalties for the non-consensual sharing of explicit images, which is known as revenge pornography. Let me turn the microphone over to the my younger colleague here who is a technological wizard, Buzz Eisenberg. Younger by about <laughs> two months, Representative Blay. <laughs> But that's okay. So, uh, and it's as someone who has a history of defending people in court against, uh, in criminal court, uh, we always have this issue. And I want to hear how you have entertained the problem in drafting this bill with your colleagues. It has now on the verge of becoming law if it hasn't already. Um, some uh, these relationships often born out of relationships is often a whole lot of tension that ends up in court and in restraining orders of the type that we're discussing now and broadening into abusive and exploitative uh, behavior is a really good idea. But sometimes it is just language, somebody who's angry because of a breakup or because of fights over property or custody or whatever. And, and sometimes that happens online. So how does this bill ensure that someone who isn't just engaged in a kind of rancorous discourse that happens in a, an emotional breakup doesn't end up with a restraining order preventing them from, you know, infringing on their freedom, which are guaranteed under the Constitution? What did you do in this bill to make sure that doesn't happen too much? It's a great, so that's a great question, Buzz, and it's something that has come up with the abusive litigation um, um, legislation that I offered this session. You know, we wanted for the abusive litigation bill, we wanted to make sure that the bar was set high enough that we were ensuring that uh, the courts were not being used uh, to continue to abuse. Um, so we did set a pretty high threshold there to ensure that um, victims had access to the courts as did and, and that abusers, you know, would not be locked out of the process. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we did that. When we talked about the revenge porn bill, we there was conversations about you know, civil rights organizations who cautioned against the criminalization of speech by narrowly defining what constituted revenge porn. So in that bill, in this particular case, uh, in this bill regarding revenge porn, 
the bill explicitly defines which part of the anatomy qualifies as partially nude uh, and what consent to share means in this context. So there was definitely a conversation, uh, many conversations, I would say, when it came to revenge porn, teen sexting, and coercive control uh, to ensure that our consti constitutional rights and access to the courts uh, was protected while also ensuring that victims um, could use the courts to pursue uh, their abusers. So Representative Boyd, could you uh, tease this out for us a bit? We started with the part of the bill that you have sponsored uh, that is an amendment or a number of amendments to Chapter 209A, which is the uh, protective order statute. Go to court and ask a court for a protective order. There are also parts of the bill that are amendments to uh, criminal statutes, one of which uh, creates a diversion for teens, a, which I think most people would see as a law reform, criminal reform uh, uh, benefit of the bill. Another part of the bill seems to uh, create a uh, new charge with regard to revenge porn. If I got that right, and if not, would you please happily correct me? That is correct. Uh, the I, the revenge porn is general law chapter. I want to say forty three a, um, and so that does add a new subsection to that existing criminal harassment law. Correct. Okay, and the but the teen. So that's a new criminal law, but the teen sexting is a diversion program for teens who might otherwise be charged with a very serious crime. Do I have that right? Yeah, it creates a new offense for minors it who share explicit images. Yeah. So that, that, and that, oh, go ahead. So that, that essentially, by creating a new, a new offense that has diversion as an option, it keeps, it creates another avenue for addressing this issue without getting teens involved in very heavy felonies. Correct. We are speaking with State Representative Natalie Blay. We are going to continue our conversation because the representative has another really important bill she's going to be advocating for, which we'll be talking about in just a minute. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with State Representative Natalie Blay, representative from the 1st Franklin District. I've promised the representative that this time I will not ask her to recite the 18, 18 <laughs> towns that she represents in reverse alphabetical order. But I would like to, to know, uh, can you just generally uh, tell, uh, describe the geographic area that you do represent? I think that would be interesting. Starting with A. <laughs> <laughs> Ashfield is my only A-town buzz. Uh, you know, if you start at the Vermont border with Bernardston and you cut down through Greenfield, Montague, and Leverett and go west in Franklin County alone, that is the first Franklin district. Uh, it includes half of Greenfield and everything uh, west, but Montague and, and Leverett are a little bit southeast. Thank you. Tell, <laughs> tell us if you would, you're working on uh, a disaster relief bill. What is it and why is it? Yeah, so uh, Senator Comerford and I have uh, introduced a new bill. It was a late file bill. We introduced it right before the November break. Uh, this is an act creating a state disaster relief fund for emergency management. Uh, 
we really have felt the devastation of our constituents and our partners in municipal government as they worked to repair and rebuild their communities as a result of last year's storm. Um, and as we were looking at how best to help them uh, through research, we found that Massachusetts is one of just two states in the nation that does not have a disaster relief fund uh, or a similar mechanism for funding disaster relief. And so, you know, it was uh, the Pew, Pew Charitable Trust and um, the National Association of State Budget Officers who had this research and we were able to determine that Massachusetts is one of two states in the nation that does not have a fund in place to help communities when disaster strikes. So this bill will do that. It will create a fund with money in it uh, so that when disasters strike, and it does not have to be a storm, it could be a massive fire. Uh, it can be a man-made disaster like the explosions we saw in the Merrimack Valley. Um, we wanna make sure that when man-made or natural disasters occur, uh, that we have that funding in place to be able to assist them quickly. Because what we've seen is the federal government is not giving us federal disaster declarations. It gives new meaning to the term rainy day fund, right? Yes, it does give new term. <laughs> and so where is this money uh, going to be coming from? Yeah, so what we're proposing is that we take some funding uh, that would go into the rainy day fund. Uh, and rather than that 250 million sitting in the rainy day fund, it would sit in this fund so that it is available for folks to access when disaster strikes. So the difference will be that instead of the legislature having to rush through a bill and create an emergency uh, fund for that specific incident, uh, occurrence, or disaster, the money will be available and there'll be an administrative uh, agency that will be able to dispense the funds quickly. Uh, is that the idea? That's right. You know, when disaster strikes, the legislature might not be in session. Uh, we might not have a bill moving, a, a money bill moving that would be able to provide communities with the quick disaster assistance that they need. Uh, so the idea is that you know, we would take this money, which would be um, capital gains tax revenue that typically flows into the state stabilization fund, the rainy day fund. We would just take some uh, 250 million out before it gets to the rainy day fund, have it available in this fund so that um, those communities know that there is a funding stream available. So there's a reservation of $250 million that will be available when disaster strikes, as it inevitably will. That's that's the essence of the bill? That's correct. And, and it would be replenished. It would go, if it went down below that $250 million, it would continue to be replenished. So that will be available. And where does this bill stand in the uh, legislative process? How's the sausage making going? <laughs> so we did introduce it late uh, we, as a direct result of what we saw in our communities in 2023. Uh, it is still waiting for a hearing, which every single, as you know, every single bill that is introduced in the legislature uh, has a hearing. So we are waiting for that hearing to occur. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around this bill. This last week, we had a call with the emergency manage direct, management directors across the state and had over 105 
uh, emergency management directors on the call who really are interested in seeing this uh, move forward. Representative Blay, I'm quite shocked, actually, to hear that Massachusetts is one of two states that doesn't have a fund like that. I'd appreciate your commenting on that. And also going back to the comment you'd made earlier that federal disaster relief does not uh, is not adequate. And I, because I thought that uh, FEMA was supposed to provide disaster relief. Your, your, your thoughts on those two topics? Yeah. So I, I think I'll, I'll start with the second one uh, and then move into the first. So you know, what we've seen over the last, I'll say, decade uh, is that in many of the disasters that have struck Massachusetts, uh, we have not met the thresholds to qualify for a federal disaster declaration. And so as a result, no money is available for those communities um, unless the legislature sends money their way. I think that um, as a result of climate change, we are seeing more and more frequent storm damage here in Massachusetts that other states may have been seeing before and so would have taken action to create uh, such a fund and have it in place. Okay. Well, that's that's an interesting explanation for why Massachusetts is number 49. Okay. Got it. Okay. We'll just go. We'll go with that. It's kind of a friendly show. We're, we're, we're going to give us the benefit of the doubt. And neighboring Connecticut is the other state. Mm-hmm. That's right. So uh, there'll be a hearing and it will happen. Will it happen this session? This is what's called a late file bill. And so it ends up with a hearing late in the session, and then it has to move quickly by legislative standards to get through the House and the Senate and get to the governor's desk. Want to spend a minute on that with us? Yes. So we are hoping for a quick hearing uh, where people can let their opinions on the bill be heard. But we are also working with the administration to see if the administration would like to just do this, recognizing how important it is for our communities for the administration to take action. They could add it into H2, which is the governor's budget, which will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we're, we're trying to work every single angle. Oh, I see. So there's two different ways to do it. One is pass a law that, that, that then gets funded. The other is for the governor to propose it as part of her budget, and then it would be a law. It would be available uh, one-stop one shopping. Well, it would be a proposal in her budget. Oh, right, it would right. then have to go through the House budget, Senate budget, and get through the entire process there. And if anybody really wants to know how important it is to have this fund, uh, just pay attention to the next 48 hours. Yes. Uh-oh. Do you know something I don't? Yeah, lots of rain <laughs> that's going to be in, frozen and, and uh, on top of the snow, and we're expecting uh, deluge. Yeah, that's what I heard. Just in the last, over the rain, over the last couple of days, Conway had yet another road washout. The pictures and the video that is sent to me uh, from communities as their roads are literally being washed away is have, really horrific. I have a neighbor whose uh, cellar is now a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. We have been speaking with State Representative Natalie Bray, representative from the 1st Franklin District. Representative, thanks so much for your time, your insights, your leadership. We really appreciate your time and your being with us, really. It's been a pleasure. Good to see you both. Take care. Bye-bye. We'll be back with Max Page, president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, right after this. Chinatown Chasing that old dragon down Night on walls 
This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.